Thanks for downloading show 112 of the C-Suite podcast being produced in partnership with the Think Tank Circlo, uh, where the topic of discussion is the release of their sustainability index. My name is Russell Goldsmith and joining me online to talk through the key findings of the report is one of Circlo's founders, Marco de Tenatio. Marco is the former managing director of the Royal Bank of Canada and is also one of the co-founders of the independent investment management firm Hadron Capital. Now, during the show, we'll also hear from Natasha Frank, founder and CEO of E.ON. E.ON is an IoT platform that has the aim to power connected products and circular commerce. I caught up with Natasha last week. I also spoke earlier today to Laz Tirakides, founder and CEO of luxury menswear brand Aristocracy London, about their body measurement app and the impact it could have in terms of sustainability. So we'll hear uh, from Laz a little later as well. But first off, Marco, can you just start by giving us a quick introduction to Circlo and why you've launched your sustainability index? Hello, Russell. Yes, Circlo is a community, an online community for people in the consumer industries that are looking to accelerate their transformation or their business transformation towards a more sustainable future. It's a collaborative platform for members to connect, share, innovate, and just find lots of useful tools and information, workshops and online training and learning and so on. Why did we do this? We, we felt that a lot of the debate about sustainability was happening at a philosophical level, uh, which is great, but, but we wanted to create something very practical and aimed to be useful for people who are actually doing things in the field of sustainability and sustainability transformation. Also, we do see business as a very positive force for change towards sustainability. So we, we believe businesses will drive the transition to sustainability. And we have a very strong view about what a business should have in order to become truly sustainable in the medium term. And we, uh, 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 we identified three dimensions that are really necessary for a business to thrive in a more sustainable world. So not just the, the sustainability and circularity of their business model, but also we believe that very high degree of digital maturity is necessary, as well as a strong financial performance. So as a start, we wanted to take a quantitative snapshot of where we are today and, uh, and also create a useful tool for other companies and smaller companies to benchmark themselves. So we decided to create the Circular Sustainability Index in which we analyze the 50 largest public consumer companies in Western Europe and the US over those three dimensions that I mentioned before. The aim was not to celebrate the best businesses, but really to motivate acceleration towards sustainability and to, and to start conversation. Perhaps just to give you a, a little bit of a, of a, of a feeling of uh, the type of work we did, we, we used metrics that are completely independent of the size of the company, which allows the methodology to be applied across any range of, of size of, of business. And we uh, analyzed the results and, and divided those 50 companies into three groups. What we call the game changers are the companies that tend to score very highly in all the three dimensions and are leaders in, in sustainability with a, a, both a strong strategy in terms of circular integration as well as a high market impact. Then uh, there are what we call the change champions. So they tend to have a clear sustainability strategy and good execution, but uh, have a gap to 
fill in at least one of those three dimensions. The third group is the challengers. It's a very broad category, which ranges from uh, companies that have developed a strategy but are behind in terms of execution or down to the ones that have yet to formulate a clear sustainability strategy because you find also those companies in the top 50. Well, why do you think it's so important for organisations to take note of the findings and, and obviously all the commentary in the report as well? We feel it is important that uh, there is an independent group uh, looking at the results and their sustainability strategy and benchmarking them against the other large companies. So we uh, we would like uh, business leaders to, to understand that sustainability is, is an important, very relevant uh, topic for the business operations and uh, to embrace, really embrace digital transformation, which to us is a, is, a, is a necessary ingredient, and I'm sure we'll discuss about this later, and to understand the importance of transparency and annual reporting of both financial and non-financial metrics, and to, uh, and to explain their circular business models and, uh, and what they are planning to do with their business. And beyond this, we are hoping that uh, smaller companies will find this index as a useful tool to benchmark themselves against the corporate leaders in, 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 in the area. Yeah, we'll dig deeper into the findings in a second, but what was the main headline? Probably the main conclusion was that there is a, a huge space for improvement when it comes for businesses to becoming more sustainable. It's interesting that only one company, uh, L'Oreal, achieved the Game Changer score Five more only were ranked change champions, and they are um, Henkel, LVMH, Nike, Inditex, and Hermes. And only L'Oreal and LVMH, for instance, managed to achieve a top 10 position in all the three dimensions, as well as the overall index. Another very interesting conclusion is that there is a clear geographical divide with an outperformance of European companies that occupy uh, eight of the first 10 positions, while North American companies fill nine of the last 10 spots in our index. Why do you think that breakdown occurs? It's clear that European regulators and policymakers have shown more sensibility in this area, as well as European consumers uh, are becoming more and more aware. And I'm sure that this will be a topic of another podcast one day. <laughs> uh, yeah, quite possibly. Well, let, well, let's get stuck into those main findings then. You measured, you, you mentioned that you measure the companies across those three dimensions. So that was, as, as you said, it's digital acceleration, financial performance and, and circular integration. So what I was keen to do was just take each one individually. So let's start with how companies are using digital transformation to achieve their sustainability goals. What, you know, can you, can you sort of like share some more of the findings from that? This is really a very important point. What, what does, let's take a step back. What does sustainability mean for a business? Uh, you need to be uh, uh, transparent to consumers, regulators, and investors as well. You need efficiency to eliminate uh, wastage, in particular in your supply chain. You need to be resilient to external shocks, like what we saw with, with COVID this year. You need um, circularity to extend your product life cycles. All those things point to digitalization. In order to be sustainable, you need really to be digital at the core of the business. And you need to be able to use data as an enabler of change towards sustainability and future innovations. This is not a one-off transformation. It's a radical change that businesses will have to undergo 
in order to survive in the future, in the longer term. And it's really interesting to, to look at practicalities and case studies here. And there is lots of them. And, and, and Natasha, your guest, uh, uh, will talk about all the beautiful things that you can do in a, in a more connected world in a minute in the, in, in the consumer space. The, if you look at our findings in this, in this vertical, uh, in this dimension, you would expect to find uh, Amazon as, as one of the highest ranking businesses because their marketplace strategy uh, has been highly digitalized since inception. But perhaps surprisingly, you find that other companies like Inditex and Nike score very, very highly. And this is really strategy. Uh, Inditex has a very high level of maturity and understanding on the supply chain like no other companies in this index. They, they've been investing in, digital, in digitalization uh, over the years. And since two years ago, the company's embarked in a process of digital transformation and, and sustainability-driven innovation. They do have the objective to becoming a fully sustainable digital platform for consumers worldwide, although they started as a, as a traditional um, retail business. While, while as for Nike, the innovation is one of the cornerstones the underpinning their business. They really score highly in technical innovation, in design and manufacturing processes of all the products, and, and they are investing and striving to minimize waste and extend the life cycle of the products. You, you just mentioned Natasha there, so it's probably a good time to bring in the first clip from the interview that I did with her. So as a reminder, Natasha Frank founded E.ON in New York back in 2015, and her business aim is very much about extending the life cycle of every item of clothing. And so I started by asking her to give a quick introduction to the company. E.ON is a connected products platform. So we work with brands to digitize their physical products and bring them online. And our mission is to power a circular future for commerce. So essentially to enable every product to be identified from the moment it's produced through use, reuse, next life and beyond, such that we can enable circular economy and circular business models across industry. What are the issues that, that you would say brands have in terms of monitoring their, their supply chains internationally? So the shift that Eon is trying to drive is a business model transformation for brands and retailers. So today, brands ID products in their supply chain in a rudimentary way with some form of barcode or RFID tag, and they track and ID that product from point of production to point of sale. And then, as we all know, that identifier is removed, right? The product is sold, and basically that product is essentially lost, and those materials are lost. And so there's no real way for that brand to either monetize that product again through new business models like rental and resale and recycling. And there's no way for the brand to also keep that connection with the customer. So the connected product is about creating this ongoing relationship between brands and products and customers such that one, the commercial value is there for the brands um, in that ongoing relationship, and also so that those products and materials can be managed um, sustainably and be recaptured and be reused and be recycled and instead of lost as they are today in the linear model. And what about this kind of trend you know, around fast fashion? I was just wondering whether or not you think that this could be something adopted by that, or, or maybe will it see us move away generally from that trend? 
We're seeing data that shows that resale um, and re-commerce will be growing over the next few years, 21x that of fast fashion. And so there is a lot of business model transformation that is going on within fast fashion retailers to prepare for this wave of circular business models. Um, So the customer appetite for new business models, for sustainable business models, um, and for higher quality products is, is really there. Can you share some examples of you know some of the brands that you're actually working with at the moment? Eon worked with a wide consortium of industry leadership to develop and pioneer the Circular ID protocol, which is the framework in which Eon digitizes products. Really, you could think of it as a shared language for connected products. And we developed that protocol in partnership with groups like H&M, PBH, Target, GS1, SAP, Microsoft, and different players across the circular value chain, recyclers and and resellers like ICO and the Renewal Workshop and Waste Management. Um, So really getting together a cross-sectional group of counterparts in the circular value chain in order to enable them to communicate through connected products and the circular ID protocol. Now the circular ID protocol is in pilot um, and Eon's connected products platform is digitizing products in partnership with the brand partners and additional brands to create and introduce these connected products uh, with all of that circular ID data across industry. And so what do you think is driving this change in, in business models? I think it's a confluence of factors. It's the new technology that can start to enable brands to manage these new business models. It is the customer interest in sustainability and demand for more sustainable business practices. And it's also kind of this global shift in terms of resource availability and and costs and supply chain scarcity of these virgin materials. So there is kind of all three factors, the customer behavior, the resources, the uh, digital shift that are coming together in this super exciting confluence to enable a real future for circular commerce. So uh, before I come back to Marco, um, as Natasha was talking about fast fashion there, here's the views of that trend from Laz Terakides, founder and CEO of luxury menswear brand Aristocracy London. I've got to say that fast fashion is a, is a vicious circle. Brands launch new collections every few weeks and we feel we need to buy new clothes all the time to look trendy. And the clothes are so cheap that we don't feel guilty when we barely wear them. So we as consumers, we're addicted to buying clothes and suppliers feed that addiction with cheap disposable fashion. But actually the cost is huge, both to the environment and to the people working in the garment industry. So where do I stand as, a, as an individual and someone who makes clothes and clearly wants people to buy them? Well, I mean, as Aristocracy London, we don't make cheap disposable clothes. We create quality suits that we hope people will wear for years, and we even tell them how to keep them looking fresh for longer. So our business model is completely different. You know, we'd love it if someone came and bought 10 suits and we don't need them to because we don't need that level of consumption to stay in business. And that's because we don't waste resources. Our suits are limited edition. We only do 100 pieces per design. So we don't waste fabric, we don't waste materials, and we don't end up with lots of unsold suits. And you know what? We think people appreciate that. People are becoming conscious of the impact of fast fashion 
And in addition to that, they, they love this exclusivity as they don't want to wear the same suit as thousands of other people. Marco, we heard from Natasha just before about making the economics work. That leads nicely onto the second element that you are measuring companies on within your sustainability index, and that's their financial performance. What's your focus here? The focus is on uh, medium and long-term results with a typical time horizon of five years. The components that we look at in the index are gross margins, operating margins, uh, balance sheet strength and sales growth. Gross margins is simply the difference between how much a product sells for uh, and how much it costs to produce. And a high gross margin product is a sign of a stronger and high quality uh, product offering and therefore a structurally more profitable business model and value added uh, product. Can, can you say who scored highly here? As you could expect, uh, beauty and fashion industries score very highly in this section, uh, while uh, classic brick-and-mortar retail do not. So Hermes was the top company in the space. The other really important contributor to financial performance is sales growth. We live in a world where growth is fairly scarce, and uh, consumer companies that can success- successfully grow their sales have a far better chance to be the winners of tomorrow's sustainable world. Uh, Some of the food and beverage companies like McDonald's and Coca-Cola meet single-digit sales contraction year over year. It's clear that that's not very sustainable in terms of products, Uh, while there is a series of consumer companies that have no sales growth whatsoever. Okay, and the the final aspect in your index is circular integration. So here the report states that it's analysed through a set of 33 different fields in the area of corporate purpose and circular implementation. Now, obviously, we're not going to list all all of those. Um, We'll be here for a long time. But they cover off environment, social capital, business model and innovation, and finally, leadership and governance. Marco, before I come uh, to you for more on this aspect, I just want to go back to my conversation with Laz uh, Tirakides and and Natasha Frank. Um, So starting with Laz on the topic of innovation, um, because I asked him to talk us through how his body measurement app works and the impact he thinks it could have in terms of sustainability. So when when first launched our brand, we tried to do things the right way. I'm sure there's still a lot to learn, but we went for reusable boxes and we bought tissue paper from a company that plants trees for every order we make and all that stuff. But we wanted to do more. So we give people the option to buy online so they don't have to travel down to our showroom in London. And actually, that worked well for us, especially now that people tend to avoid traveling because of the pandemic. But the problem with online shopping is size. So what do most people do? They buy two, three items in different sizes, and then we ship them. They return the ones that they don't fit. And that's a lot of going back and forth and using packaging material and so on. So what we did is we, we partnered with Sizer, a body measurement app. So you effectively need a mobile phone or tablet. You download the app for free and Sizer scans your body, takes your measurements, and using intelligent algorithms, it converts this in, these measurements into your aristocracy London suit size. So you order the correct size, you're happy because you don't have to go through the trouble of returning clothes. We are happy as a brand because you're a satisfied customer. And from our side, we save a lot of time and pollution and money because we didn't have packages all over the place. So it's good for the environment. And I can also say it's really a good business. 
And this is important for brands to consider. Sustainable solutions may take some invest investment at the start, but you, you do save money and resources in the long run. Okay, just a reminder that you can see a video and download Laz's app on his website at aristocracy.london. Coming back to my conversation with Natasha Frank, I asked her who she thought was performing well in the area of corporate purpose and circular implementation. But firstly, what she thought about the consumer's views on brands and their actions around sustainability. I think the customer is making more demands and looking beyond the kind of traditional marketing messaging of sustainability. I think brands have a long time relied on, on marketing as a way to, you know, put a leaf on the, on the image and the marketing and, and communicate sustainability, but not really transparent about what substance or impact is behind that. And now the demand is really around, okay, how have you reduced your impact? What is your business model transformation? How are you being transparent around that? And a demand to go beyond communications into, into real impact and innovation. Do you, do you think the consumer is better educated now? I think the consumer is better educated. And I think that even if they're not better educated, the consumption patterns are changing. So the customer is interested in resale. They want that higher quality product that's already been used. Um, and so regardless of whether they're making that decision from a you know, vested interest in sustainability or you know, just an overall change in trend, this shift in consumption pattern is really taking away um, business from the typical fast fashion retailer. Is, is there any brand organization that you think is, is performing particularly well when it comes to you know, integrating these circular models? Yeah, I think um, VF Group and the, their North Face Reworn program that's operated by the Renewal Workshop is a really exciting example of a circular business model in practice and one that is driving revenue toward the, the brand. So they have launched a resale program it's operated by our friends at the Renewal Workshop, and you can resell your North Face through that. The program generates revenue, and now you can start to see really exciting economics there. Now a jacket can be resold two, three, four times um, and ultimately have more revenue associated with that item across its life cycle. So that, to me, is what's really exciting because there you have business model transformation, and that is what's ultimately going to make sustainability in business actually or circularity in business really aligned because you'll be generating more revenue by having a circular business and these objectives will start to work in sync. Uh, Marco, can you tell us who performed well in the index then in terms of circular integration? In terms of circular integration, uh, where we find the, the geographical split I, I discussed before, so where Europe performs much better in North America, the three best Performing companies are, are European, Diageo, L'Oreal, and Henkel. This is clearly a consequence of a higher degree of sensibility in Europe towards the issues of sustainability. Going into details, uh, as you mentioned, we, we looked at, uh, at a number of different metrics here. The environmental impact associated with the company's products and services was clearly figuring prominently carbon emission and uh, different different metrics uh, in terms of wastage and wastage per employee. And, and as, as I said before, we did focus on metrics that are independent of the size of the company so that the methodology is completely 
applicable to any size of business. We looked at social capital, which means relationships with local communities and human rights track record. And, and we looked at strategy and business model and innovation, which is so important. So we'll be emphasis on companies' investments in innovation and sustainability. And, and you see why it all fits together in our index, because you need to be profitable to have the, the capital to invest in, in innovation, and you need to have a very highly developed digital strategy to be able to, to achieve something in terms of innovation. So the management of supply chain was really important, especially in relation to environmental and social impacts. And then we, uh, we looked at, uh, at leadership and governance. So the principles of diversity and inclusion, which have become a very sensitive topic uh, recently. The results are that we, we, we have found a better overall performance from companies in the consumer's product sector versus companies in the retail sector. Again, most likely as a consequence of the much tougher business environment that is faced by most of the retail industry. And, and the other, the other interesting finding is is that there is a very high dispersion in scores in the fields related to environmental and carbon emission. So there are some some companies that do not seem to care at all, and they tend to be retail companies that are typically performing poorly, also from a financial point of view. But the, the reassuring thing is that most companies have have initiatives in place to uh, to uh, address and reduce both social and environmental risks and, and, and the risks in their supply chain and they have guidelines to policies to protect human rights and, and implement ethical codes of conduct. One interesting point is that uh, we found that out of these 50 large companies, only 20 are signatories of the United Nations Global Compact, which we found a bit surprising. For instance, neither Amazon nor Walmart, who are the two largest companies in, 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 you know, in terms of uh, the new and old economy, let's say, are not behind such initiative. You, you say surprising. Is, does it disappoint you as well? Supporting this, this, this global compact is, it does not cost much and, and, uh, and, it's, and it's an important effort on a global scale to push for some of these principles and, and just show that companies care. Yeah, we are really curious to see how these metrics, not just this one, but also other metrics, will evolve in the future and see where progress is being made the most or where, is, or where there is more investment or more, more sensitivity. So we're actually uh, already starting to work on the next version of the, of the index with, uh, with, more, you know, with more updated and newer data as input. Uh, another in, in, interesting thing that we'll look to monitor is regarding diversity and inclusion. The companies we analyze, the average age of the boards, boards of directors is uh, 62, uh, which we find a little bit high, and uh, and only 29% of directors are women. Again, uh, a metric that uh, we feel should uh, should um, increase in time. Definitely. Um, okay. Well, I, I want to finish off by looking to the future and the and the impact a, a report like this can have. But Marco, before I ask for your thoughts on that. Here's what Natasha thought about whether enough businesses are digitally mature enough in their thinking or the actual implementation to take real advantage of something like her Eon platform, or if she thinks there are blockers and, and more work to be done first. There are so many challenges that we see within the traditional brand and retail corporate structure that prevent impactful digital transformation. 
What I mean by that is Eon as a platform is digitizing products. And when we connect a product, it requires and gives value to the marketing team, the new business models team, the digital team, the returns management team. It connects, you know, the digitized product touches every different department of an organization. Because of that sweeping impact of a digitized product, it's very hard to figure out who is the project owner because there's very traditional silos into how um, innovation gets embarked upon within these these brands. So it's been um, exciting for Eon to work with our brand partners because we are bringing together two or three different departments when we work with them. And in that, you know, cross-department innovation, we really can create transformative value for those companies. But it is definitely an exercise in, you know, I guess it's more like running a therapy session, you know, bringing all these counterparts together and shared objectives and different KPIs. So it's, it's exciting and challenging, but the human obstacles and the organizational obstacles, I'd say, are more, more challenging, interestingly enough, than the technical. And Marco, Natasha talks there about silos and human will to change and embrace new challenges and and build new systems. Now that you've delivered the first Circlo Sustainability Index, and you mentioned earlier, uh, just before, you know, you're you're working on your next one now, how confident are you that brands can become game changers or or at least change champions? The answer is that on the medium term, we are highly confident. And the reason is really simple, is that they will have to in order to, to survive and, and grow and gain market share from their competitors. We are moving towards a more sustainable world. Change towards sustainability is driven by everywhere, really, by uh, investors, by consumers, uh, but also by policymakers. And uh, the way we see it, circularity and financial success and digitalization, as explained, feed into each other in a some form of virtuous loop. And... Uh, together drive the development of, of truly sustainable business models, which will win in the future. Uh, we strongly believe so. This is a clearly a medium-long-term trend. Is Each one of us will be working for the next uh, decades. And you're seeing some of these very large companies that have understand this, we think, and have a strategy in place to become uh, sustainable. But we also seen that there is a lot of work to do for companies in, in the universe we analyze to formulate the strategy and to execute it. And, and uh, to be honest, we are already seeing the signs of, from some of these companies that they will probably not make it in the longer term. So the, the very few of those top 50 are actually clearly pulling out of the pack and have sustainability at the core of their strategy. Our analysis clearly shows that uh, that brick, brick and mortar businesses uh, appear to be struggling, and are finding it difficult to develop their strategy and to uh, and to execute it. And clearly, uh, the, the, they are also under financial pressure, uh, which does not bode well uh, for their future. So I'm afraid uh, it's going to be uh, the classic capitalistic survival of the fitness or the fittest and the fitter businesses in the consumer space and retail will be sustainable, will be digitally mature and perform strongly at financial level. That's great. Um, if listeners want to get a copy of the Sustainability Index or find out how to get involved with uh, Circlo, where's the best place for them to go? 
www.circlo.com is our uh, website. We have a very nice email address called uh, alias where where people can send us uh, anything they want. And uh, please do come and take a look. Tremendous. Uh, thanks so much for sharing all that insight with us, Marco. Um, thanks also to Laz Tirakides and to Natasha Frank for uh, chatting to me too. Um, if you want to find out more about Natasha's project, uh, then simply visit eongroup.co. And a reminder again of Circlo's website where you can request a copy of the Sustainability Index. That's simply circlo.com and that's C-I-R-C-K-L-O.com. Uh, we hope you've got a lot out of this episode and we'd love to hear any comments you may have on what we've chatted about today. Uh, So if you'd like to contribute to the discussion, you can do that on our Facebook page, Twitter feed or LinkedIn and Instagram pages. They're all linked from the top of the website at csweetpodcast.com where you'll also find all our previous shows and supporting show notes plus links to where you can subscribe for automatic downloads of each episode via your favourite podcast app. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please do give us a positive rating and review. Uh, Finally, if you would like to get in touch with the show, you can do that via the contact form on on the website as well or you can connect with me on twitter using at ross goldsmith or you can find me on linkedin but for now thanks for listening and goodbye mm-hmm.